Hey, Christ community, so glad you were joining us online. If you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. Today, we're actually finishing up this teaching series in which we have been focusing on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Now, you may be wondering, why are we finishing this series when we haven't yet gotten to chapter four. Well, we actually started this series last April. And when we started it, we began in chapter four. It was right when COVID hit. And so we decided to focus our attention on Philippians chapter four, where Paul talks about how we can experience peace in the midst of the storms in our lives. And so we spent several weeks going verse by verse through Philippians four and then we went back to chapter one and started at the beginning. So if you could use a fresh infusion of peace in the midst of the stresses in your life right now, I know all of us probably could. If you could use a fresh infusion of peace, I encourage you to go back to that series on our app or our website. Well, today we find ourselves in a passage of scripture in which Paul brings to a conclusion <clears throat> this whole section here, all of his thoughts on the theme of spiritual maturity. As, as we have seen for the past few weeks in Philippians 3, Paul gives us this inspiring, powerful, and clarifying perspective on what our purpose in life is to be. And that purpose is to know Christ, experiencing a personal, intimate, growing, passionate relationship with Jesus. This is how Paul describes spiritual maturity, which is why after this amazing description we've been looking at for the past few weeks, Paul then says this in verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. See, Paul is saying that this passion to know Christ is a mark of spiritual maturity, of spiritual growth. Now, what Paul does then in this remaining section is give us some practical insights into how we can better experience this, how we can grow spiritually. So to use a modern phrase to describe the passage we're looking at today, I would say that Paul is giving us some spiritual life hacks. A life hack is a trick or a skill or a creative tool that enables us to do life better. If you do a Google search for life hacks, you will find some incredibly creative ways to keep grease from splattering on your arm when frying bacon or to keep sand out of your personal items on the beach or to keep your dogs from digging in your trash can, stuff like that. So why couldn't there be some life hacks for our spiritual growth, some skills, some things that make the process of spiritual growth easier? Well, I believe there are. And in this passage, Paul gives us three of them, three spiritual life hacks that can help us grow in our relationship with Jesus, our knowing him. So here's spiritual life hack number one. When you feel spiritual tension, move toward it. When you feel spiritual tension, move toward it. This is so powerful and yet so counterintuitive. Typically, when we begin to feel any sort of spiritual tension, a negative emotion, an internal disagreement with something that's said in a sermon, a negative attitude toward another person. Our instinctive response is to avoid that, to move away from it, to ignore it, to stop it. That feels like the most helpful response, but it's not, spiritually speaking. Look at what Paul says in verses 15 and 16. All of us then, he says, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently... <clears throat> Shame on you. No, he doesn't say that. <clears throat> and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. 
Only let us live up to what we have already attained. See, this is so fascinating to me. Paul acknowledges that some of the believers in Philippi may think differently than Paul. They may disagree with him. They may struggle with some of the things he's been saying, just like some of us have perhaps been wrestling with some of the concepts that Paul talks about earlier in chapter 3. Maybe our lives don't line up that well with Paul's. Maybe last week we wrestled with this idea of our one thing being to know Christ, and we're like, I don't even know if I want that to be my one thing. See, that is a really honest place to be. And yet in Christian circles, we often feel like we can't go there. We can't disagree with our pastor. We can't wrestle with something. So we just take that tension that we feel and we stuff it. We ignore it. We certainly don't admit it to our friends or small group or whatever. We just pretend all is well, which honestly just drives the tension and shame deeper. It it can result in, in a growing bitterness toward God, a growing cynicism toward the church. It stalls our spiritual growth. Now, please hear me. It is not the tension that stalls our spiritual growth. It's our decision to ignore or run from the tension that stalls our spiritual growth. What Paul urges us to do in this spiritual life hack is to actually move toward the tension. Acknowledge it. Explore it. Ask God about it. God, why do I get so angry when the topic of racism is brought up in church? What is that about? Or God, why do I feel so much hatred toward this particular politician? What is that inward tension really about? Or God, why do I feel this pull toward pornography or alcohol? What need am I hoping that meets in my life? See, moving toward these areas of tension in our life are a spiritual goldmine when we do it in the presence of Jesus, when we let him speak into these areas. This is why Paul says, hey, if you disagree with something I've said, God will make it clear to you. The the implication and invitation here is to bring these areas of tension to God and to let him speak into that. So let me just ask, what are some areas of emotional or relational or spiritual tension in your life right now? And how are you responding to that? Are you moving away from it, trying to ignore it or medicate it? What would it look like for you to move toward that, to acknowledge that tension in the Lord's presence and to let him speak to you about it? Maybe to get some help with that. I mean, we have all sorts of resources here at Christ Community to help you move toward these places of spiritual tension or struggle or addiction in your life. Call call the church. If you want to accelerate your spiritual growth, move toward the areas of tension in your life. Spiritual hack, spiritual life hack number two, seek out spiritual mentors. Seek out spiritual mentors. One of the best best ways to accelerate our spiritual growth is to intentionally be influenced by and mentored by people who are farther along in some area than we are. Look at what Paul says in verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as, you have, uh, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I find it so fascinating and pretty bold, actually, what, what Paul says here. Paul is saying, hey, if you want to know Jesus better, follow my example. 
And not only that, follow the example of people who live as I do. See, what Paul is acknowledging here is the fact that we grow best when we have models to pattern our life after. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, the idea of following Jesus is conceptually sort of difficult because he lived in a totally different time period in a totally different culture than ours. There wasn't the internet, iPhones, social media. There weren't mega churches or staff meetings or retirement accounts. There wasn't capitalism or democracy. It was a different world. And following Jesus looked very different back then. So what does it look like to follow Jesus today as a single parent? What does it look like to follow Jesus as a business owner or a college student? What does it look like to follow Jesus as a husband, as a wife, as a teenager? I mean, obviously there are values and principles and teachings of Jesus that we can pattern our lives after, but it can also be so helpful to see another person who is following the way of Jesus as a husband, as a single parent, as a business leader, as a teenager, as a retiree. To see an example of someone who is walking in purity in an area that we struggle with. To see someone who is loving their spouse in a way that we want to grow in. To see someone who has a deep devotional life with Jesus in the midst of a busy schedule. See, this is a huge spiritual life hack. Think of an area in your life where you want to grow in knowing Christ and following him. Maybe it's the area of generosity or prayer or parenting, or purity, or running a business according to Christian principles, or whatever. Well, find someone who is farther along in that area than you are. Someone who is experiencing Jesus in that area, and then glean from them. This this could mean asking them out to lunch occasionally, just picking their brain. It could mean asking them to meet for coffee Uh, weekly, maybe for a season. It could could also mean leveraging podcasts and other online resources that can help mentor you. Some of the most powerful mentors in my life have been people I've never met, but I listen to their podcasts. I listen to their teaching. I read their their books or their blogs. I want to pattern certain areas of my life around that, around what they excel in or after what they excel in. One example of someone for me who has mentored me through podcasts and books would be John Eldridge. I love his stuff. It, it just connects with my heart. His app is called Wild at Heart. It's just great, great stuff. The key is to choose wisely who will be mentoring you, who you're allowing to speak into your life and influence you. Because if you don't choose wisely, you will be influenced in an unhelpful direction. Look at what Paul says next, verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul is contrasting his example to follow with many other people around who are also wanting us to follow their example. The problem is their example leads to destruction. They are not following Christ and living in dependence upon him. No, they are enemies of the cross, Paul says. Their God is their appetite. They are pursuing sexual immorality and worldly pleasure. They are glorying in in things that they ought to be ashamed of. 
Paul says their mind is set on earthly things, power, greed, fame, lust, pride, self-advancement, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness. Paul's heart is breaking as he's saying these things because he knows how destructive this will be in our lives when we choose to be influenced by people like this. What example, whose example are we following? We need to realize that often this is happening unintentionally. Right now on Netflix, there is a powerful and incredibly eye-opening documentary entitled The Social Dilemma. Every parent needs to watch this, seriously. I mean, every person, I think, who is on social media in any way, teenagers, college age, young if you're on social media, I encourage you to watch this documentary. It interviews these high-level people in these organizations who describe how the algorithm, how algorithms, um, how, how algorithms used on like Facebook or Pinterest or Google or Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, all these things, how these algorithms are intentionally, specifically designed to influence you and me in an incremental way so that we spend more time and more money. And these algorithms do this by keeping track of what you and I look at and what we like. And then they continually and intentionally feed us stuff, not for our benefit to help us. No, no, no. We're the product. We're the product. It's so that they can make more money off of us. And we don't even realize this is happening. We, we think we're choosing these things, but we're not. We're being shaped and influenced by others who are trying to capture our attention in order to make more money for themselves. This is the world we live in. Whether we realize it or not, we are being shaped by all sorts of things. We are being shaped by what we look at and what we like on social media. We're being shaped by what po- podcasts we're listening to, what voices that are speaking into our lives. See, the question is not, are we being shaped? The question is, are we going to be intentional about choosing who will mentor us, who will speak into our lives, who will influence us, who will provide models for us to follow? Spiritual life hack number two, choose wisely who those influences and people are, or you will find yourself headed down a spiritually destructive pathway you never intended to be on. And by the way, if someone asks you to mentor them in an area, go for it. You don't have to be perfect. Be you and let God use you in their life. Spiritual hack, life hack number three, embrace your homesickness. Embrace your homesickness. I remember my first sleepover when I was like in a friend's house. I was like fifth grade. I got so homesick. I had to call my parents and have them pick me up. I mean, I remember as a college student, whenever I would drive away from my home for that two and a half hour drive to college, I would feel that pang of homesickness. I still feel that sometimes when I'm away from Raylene, even for a few days, Visiting new places can be exciting for a while, but soon we long for home. So spiritually speaking, where is our home? Paul makes it very clear in the next verse where our home is. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
As followers of Jesus and adopted children of God, our ultimate home is not here in this world. While we may be citizens of the United States, our ultimate citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven. I mean, think about what that means. When we give, while we give allegiance to our country, our ultimate allegiance is to God. Our ultimate home is not here. It is in heaven. Okay, now here's where the spiritual life hack comes in. If we are honest with ourselves, there are many moments when deep down we recognize that this world is not our home. That thing that was supposed to be so satisfying leaves us feeling empty. That sexual encounter we lusted after, that purchase that we couldn't wait for, and then when we finally have it, we feel a bit of a letdown. We start looking for the next thing, the next sexual encounter, the next relationship, the next Amazon Prime delivery. The older we get, the more we realize that this world doesn't provide the satisfaction it promised us early on. All the money, the accolades, the successes seem to fade in importance. We start to realize how little they matter. And we also find ourselves confronted with our physical limitations, with suffering and death. What some of our older church family members are going through right now is heart breaking. It is heartbreaking. These extremely difficult health challenges or family challenges, profound grief and loss, watching our beloved spouse or a parent slowly lose their capacity to think or to even remember us, watching our adult children face the pain of divorce or disability, As we experience the struggles, the hardships of life, we often find ourselves secretly longing for something better, for a place where these bodies won't deteriorate, a place where Alzheimer's and cancer and racism and justice are a thing of the past, a place where we will be united with loved ones who have gone before us, a place where all things will be restored and made new. What we're experiencing is homesickness. We long to be home with Jesus in heaven. So here's the spiritual life hack. Don't run from that feeling of being homesick. Don't suppress it and don't medicate it. Feel it. Embrace it. And let it stir in you a greater longing for our ultimate hope. Look again at what Paul says here. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Won't that be awesome to have everything under the lordship and control of Jesus? No more death, no more disease, no more abuse, no more wars, no more pain or violence, no more presidential elections. Man, I can't wait to be home. I can't wait to be home. But there's more. Paul says that when Jesus comes, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We get new bodies, a total upgrade. Bodies where our hair won't fall out. Our cholesterol won't be too high. Our middle won't sag. Our feet won't hurt. Our eyes won't need glasses. I mean, notice the word Paul uses to describe these new bodies. He says that glorious, glorious, they will be glorious like Jesus. Friends, 
Heaven will be amazing. And here's what I really want us to tune into. Heaven is our home. And we're not there yet. No wonder we feel homesick. That emptiness you sometimes feel, that disillusionment with the way things are supposed to be, but they're not turning out that way, the discouragement that often accompanies that, those are not bad things, bad feelings to be rebuked or to escape from. No, no, no. They are feelings to be embraced and to serve as a reminder that we're not home yet. This world is not supposed to satisfy we're not supposed to fall in love with this place as it is right now. We yearn for something better, a world fully restored and enveloped in the loving, holy, glorious presence of Jesus. That's what awaits all of us who are placing our trust in Jesus. So if you want to accelerate your spiritual growth, try one of these spiritual life hacks. Move toward spiritual tension. Spend time with someone who can mentor you in an area in your life. Embrace your feelings of homesickness, letting them stir in you a longing for your real home. Amen. Let's pray together. So I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, however you're interacting with this message. Are you able to take just a few moments here? And I want to encourage you to quiet your heart and let's just ask the Holy Spirit what he is saying to us. What is he saying to you? And let's let him speak to us regarding these three areas. First, first area, just to think about this question. Are there any areas of spiritual tension in your life right now? Any areas of tension? And if so, what would it look like to move toward that? Lord, I want to pray for those of us with that, just the courage to move toward that, to seek help, to, to process this with you, to bring this out into the open rather than just stuffing it. Give us the courage to move toward tension, not to run from it. Second area we just talked about. How about thinking about this just as the, the Lord is speaking to you here. Here's this question. Well, who is influencing you? Who is influencing you? And a follow-up question. Who do you want to be influencing you? So Lord, would you help us be intentional about the people, the voices that we are allowing to influence us? We want them to be people who would help us in our spiritual growth, not people who are enemies of the cross, who are pursuing their appetite more than they're pursuing you. So give us discernment and intentionality. And then finally, this third question, just to, to think about for a moment, where are you feeling homesick? Where are you feeling homesick? 
Where are you feeling disillusionment, disappointment, pain? And what would it look like for you to let those feelings stir in you a longing for Jesus, a longing for your ultimate home? God, we pray for that. We pray for that longing in our hearts that we would stoke that. We would stir that. We would not run from these feelings or escape, try to medicate them. We would acknowledge them and let them stir in us a longing for heaven. So there's one more response I want to just invite you into. There may be some of you watching this and and you don't know for sure that you are going to heaven. You you don't know if you even have a personal relationship with Christ. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus paid for that. You don't have to work for it, you don't have to earn it, you don't have to try to be a good person. This is a gift that you receive. Jesus paid for this on the cross by dying for your sin and my sin. And he invites us to place our trust in him. When we do that, we enter into a personal relationship with him where we experience him in this life and we have the hope of heaven. So if, if, if that's you and you're wanting to know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus and, and that you're on this path of spiritual growth headed to heaven, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. You can pray along with me in the silence of your heart. You can pray out loud if you're in a place you can do that. But let me lead you in a prayer where all you're doing in this prayer is, is asking Jesus to come live in you. You're placing your faith in him, acknowledging your need. So pray along with me in the silence of your heart or out loud again, however you want to do it, just pray with me. So dear God, I acknowledge that my life needs you. I acknowledge my own, there are moments of emptiness, of disillusionment. I don't know what to do with these things. I know I'm missing something. Jesus, I believe that you came to earth, you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that I could have a relationship with you. And I want that. I want a relationship with you. So I place my trust in you right now. I place my trust in you and I receive your life. I ask you to forgive all of my sins, past, present, sins I haven't even committed yet. Forgive all of them and come live in me through the presence of your spirit. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in this amazing relationship to grow in knowing you more intimately. And I pray that for all of us. Lord, thank you for what you've been teaching us through this amazing book. And we pray that you would help us walk this out, that we would grow in knowing you, Jesus, because that's what life is all about. So we love you. We love you, God. 
And we thank you now just for this moment where we can respond to you in, in worship and quietness, however we want to respond, we can respond to you opening our host. We love you, God, in Jesus' name.